Hello, Cedarville family. Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. My name is Sarah Gump. From politicians to goalies to college students, the Lord has used Brian Hansen to disciple, evangelize, encourage, challenge, and pray for them all. But if you ask Brian, it's not because he possesses a special talent or a speaking gift. In fact, he would shy away from taking any credit at all. Brian Hansen currently serves as the chaplain for the junior and senior Cedarville students at the International Center for Creativity. Here is his conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today is an important day in our country. It's Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C., when the President of the United States takes the oath of office before millions worldwide. And as Scripture declares, we need to pray for our President and all of our political leaders. So let's make that a priority in 2021. With that said, perhaps today is the perfect day to have Brian Hansen on the program because he serves our political leaders in Ohio through Capital Ministries. We'll learn more about Brian's ministry later, but for now, welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. Brian has lived his adult years in the ministry. He currently serves as the Director of International Ministries for Capital Ministries, as I earlier said, and he's the chaplain for Ohio's legislators, the Columbus Blue Jackets of the National Hockey League, and for students in Cedarville's Industrial and Innovative Design Program in Columbus. And for nearly 30 years, Brian has served in pastoral roles at Linworth Baptist Church in Columbus, Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, and Pleasant Hills Baptist Church in Smithfield, Ohio. Brian, before we get into talking about the ministries that you're involved in, I'm interested in hearing your spiritual journey. Can you walk us through how and when you met the Lord? I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, my dad preached a Sunday evening service. We went home. It was about time for me to get ready for bed. I went in, into the restroom where my dad was, and I said, Dad, I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. And uh, so he he took me into his, his bedroom, and he opened scriptures for me, walked through scriptures. I don't remember what it all was, but I do know that um, this is what I knew. I was a sinner, and without Jesus, I was bound for a destiny in hell. I did not want that, and uh, I wanted Jesus. And um, and I prayed right then and there to receive Jesus into my life, to be my Savior. And I look back, even on, even today, I look back at the time, that being the time that I accepted Christ into my life. Now, certainly, there were, uh, there were times of growth. Uh, one of the things that was hugely important in my life was... Uh, camp, go, um, working at a Christian camp and and attending as a as a camper there in Man. It was called Camp Manitoumi in uh, just outside of Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Manitoumi is an Indian name, stands for Land of God. But um, I remember between my my junior and senior year of high school, there was a there was a pastor. Uh, I think he was an evangelist. Actually, came down from Michigan to, to be our speaker. And I was a camper that week and they announced him as our speaker. I'd never heard of him before. His name was pastor Carl Hawarda from Michigan. And, uh, they announced him and he starts walking up and, you know, Hey, I'm an athlete. Uh, I'm going to be a senior in high school. You know, uh, I'm pretty rough on people, you know, and first appearance was this guy, he was old, he had white hair, 
He was walking with a limp. I saw once he got up on stage, I saw that one sole of a shoe was like two inches thicker than the other. And I was like, what am I doing here? And God used that man in my life more than probably any other person as, as far as one week goes. And uh, at the end of that week, um, I well, during that week, I should say that there was this stirring in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I'd never felt anything like it before. I, and I just felt like God was working in me, but I had no idea uh, what, what he was wanting of me, asking of me or whatever. And then the last night, you know, typically there's an altar call uh, for salvation. And, uh, and so he did the typical thing, you know, everybody, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. But he didn't ask for an altar call of salvation. He asked for an altar call for those who believe that God might be stirring in their heart to go into full-time ministry. I had never been challenged that way before. And as soon as he said that, the light went off in my mind. And I knew. I, I can't explain it other than to say I knew that that's what God was calling me um, uh, into. Uh, I, I didn't know what all that meant, but I knew full-time ministry was in store for me. So um, I studied to be a youth pastor. Thought that's what I was going to do my entire life. I did it for 23 years. My wife and I, my wife Mandy and I, we're in youth ministry, uh, loved every bit of it uh, before God called us then into missions and to doing what we're doing now. And that's working with uh, uh, college athletes, professional athletes. And mo- um, our full time uh, ministry is, uh, is working with uh, political figures around the world. Now, I want to pivot a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned at the outset of the program, that today is Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C. It's when the president gets inaugurated. By no means is this a political conversation, so I want to make sure that's abundantly clear. I'm interested in knowing what your role is with Capital Ministries and how are you serving and ministering to politicians throughout Ohio and across the world? Yeah, so this is something that I actually started to do back in 1996 when uh, our fir- the first year that we lived in Columbus, we had the... the um, uh, a, a lady from the Senate. She was the clerk of the Ohio Senate. Um, every time the Senate opens in session, they always open in prayer. Somebody wasn't able to make it. And so she called and I think she was more desperate than anything. And she called me and, and said, Hey, would you, uh, would you be interested in running down here and opening the Senate in session with prayer? And so I said, I would absolutely be honored to do that. And I ran down and I, um, that, that's how I first, uh, really started walking the marble halls of the Ohio state house was, uh, was through that. And, and that just, um, without going into the whole story of it, God just really used, um, uh, that afternoon, that prayer to speak to the president of the Senate. And the interesting thing was after I was done praying, which it was not a special prayer, it was not a political prayer, I just asked that God would give them wisdom, that he would bless them in their decision makings and things. And anyway, so I I closed in Jesus name. Amen. We turned and we said the pledge to the flag. And he turned around to me to shake my hand to thank me. And he said, Reverend, he said, it sounds to me as though you just spoke to God. And I said, well, you know, I believe I did. And he said, well, we're going to have you back again. And, uh, and so that started um, 
um, nearly every time the Senate opened in session, they would they would have me come and, and open them in session. And that was 20, what, back in 1996. So 24 years ago, whatever. And um, so now, uh, having done that for years and years, I started to develop relationships. Um, one, one day, before I was to open the Senate in session, uh, one of the senators stopped by. I was I was right in in front of the uh, uh, of the hall there, and uh, and he stopped. And he said, uh, "Reverend." They they called me Reverend. So he said, "Reverend." He said, "Hey, would uh, he?" He said, "I've got this thing going on in my in my life. I wonder if you might pray about it." I said, "Oh, I'd be honored to." And so right there in the, in the front of the of the Senate chamber, we just bowed our heads and I prayed for a member of his family that was going through some uh, difficulties. And when we opened our eyes, there was somebody else standing there. And they said, hey, were you just praying? I said, well, yeah, yes, we were. And and uh, he said, hey, I've, I've got something I wonder if you might pray for. And the three of us, we said, absolutely. We wrapped our arms around each other. We prayed. God used that day to build. That, that's all we did. I, I, I would arrive about a half an hour early, and then it was just, it wasn't announced. There was nothing. There's only 33 people in the Senate in, in the Ohio State House. And after a time, there would be like 20 people after months. This just built up. We'd get together right there in the, in the chamber, the Senate chamber, and we would just pray together. And then one day I was like, well, hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we just read a little bit of scripture before we pray? And so I would read whatever song or whatever proverb of you know, that day was. I would read a portion of that, and then we would pray. Well, um, then came along this, now I'm fast forwarding, then came along a ministry called Capital Ministries. Um, and, uh, uh, it's president and founder. His name is Ralph Drawlinger. Uh, Ralph played basketball for UCLA under John Wooden. Um, and he just has a, has a fantastic ministry. He started in California. Uh, today he still lives in California, but the the ministry is based out of Washington, D.C., and um, and so uh, I have the opportunity of representing Capital Ministries and the Ohio State House, uh, and that means that I, I meet weekly every Wednesday morning at eight o'clock. I meet with all the legislators who uh, would like to uh, would like to attend our our Bible study. We might have as few as two. We might have as many as twenty. It just depends on the on the day what they have going on in their caucuses and things. And, but I do that every week. And then the other thing that I, I have the opportunity of doing is overseeing all of our international ministries. And right now we have about 32 ministries in the federal capitals around the world. And so, uh, and so anything outside of North America, I have the privilege of overseeing those ministries as well. Uh, that's a fabulous, fabulous story. Now, I'm, I must ask you, Reverend, are you surprised in a world that we live in where politicians speak about the separation of church and religion that you're even allowed to do that in the Ohio State House? It, in fact, that they that they even want you to do that. Yeah. Well, the short answer of your question is kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. But remember, it's the church that wanted the separation of church and state. That was not that was not the state's idea. And so we would say we want separation of church and state. So I don't go and try to influence them on the way that they vote. I, I'm not a, 
there, there are, you know, there's, there's a number of different ministries floating around these campuses, these legislative campuses. Some of them are prayer ministries and God bless them. That's just not who we are. Some of them are what I call Christian lobbyist ministries. And I say, God bless them. That's just not who we are. We're a discipleship ministry. And, um, and so we are not trying to infuse ourselves into the legislative networkings of getting them to vote certain ways on bills and things like that. Uh, we're just there to try to disciple them. We, you know, it's our belief that if God has their heart, we have a good inclination of how they might vote, but I never make it a point to, to have an appointment with somebody to talk politics with them. They, they might make an appointment for me if, they, if they're curious as to what the Bible might say on a certain issue, then I'll meet with them. But I never, I never make that uh, as our objective. I, I think Americans in general, when they think about the separation of church and state, they think it comes from the political side. And that's how it's, that's how it's skewed today. But do you uh, only work with senators or do you also work with the House of Representatives? House of Representatives. So we, we work with legislators. And um, so I actually, I mean, I actually work with everybody at the state house. So uh, the, the Senate and the House, they don't necessarily play nice with each other. So um, actually, I, I tried to have a Bible study for all legislators and just found out that either everybody from the Senate would come or everybody from the House would come but they wouldn't come and mingle together. Um, so I do, I do separate Bible studies, one for the house, one for the Senate. And then I also do a separate Bible study because there was such an outcry for, from the, like the, the LAs, the, uh, the legislative aides and the, the staff and the security. So we do a third one for everybody else who wants to, who wants to attend. We've been together several times over the last year or so. And I've heard you share, um, with excitement that, um, for the first time, maybe ever, that there were Bible studies taking place among the Trump cabinet or Trump administration. So do you anticipate something like that happening in the Biden cabinet? Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, he professes to be a man of faith. And um, the question is, you know, the, what type of people is he going to surround himself with? Are they going to be people of faith as well? And will they, uh, they, will they have the desire to have a Bible study? Uh, between them. But yeah, uh, the, the last four years, um, uh, we have had a very strong um, Bible study with uh, President Trump's cabinet um, that was basically formed by Mike Pence, uh, who knew my, my boss and invited him to, to come in. But uh, that, had, that had just been something that was uh, really outstanding. And only about two, two and a half months ago, we actually started a Bible study in the White House for all the uh, the top level uh, administrative positions there, and so um, so we'll we'll just have to see. You know, we we don't know what doors uh, God will continue to have open or close, and if He closes one, He typically opens another. You know, but um, but but we'll, we'll see. And this is something good that our podcast listeners can pray for. So I encourage you to pray for this ministry and that uh, the work that's uh, been going on in the White House with Bible studies can continue. 
let's move away from politics and move to another area of your of your interest in your ministry, and that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, how did you become the chaplain of the of an NHL team? Well, it, it, it was kind of a um, a little bit of a journey. So it's not something that I I was looking for. It's not something that uh, I tried to get. It was just. Um, uh, actually, we were uh, Coach Callen, Don Callen, and I. We were the chaplain of the. It started out the Dayton Gems, and uh, and we we saw just a, a large percentage of those guys make a profession of faith. Uh, that team was sold out, and uh, and they became the Dayton Demons. And so a lot of people ask, you know, well, can demons be saved? And the answer is, well, we know of at least five that can. <laughs> So, yeah. So, right. um, but then they sold out, and um, and so the the new owner uh, he thought that uh, being a Christian made the players weak, and so he fired us. Uh, he didn't want to have any kind of religion uh, around his players, and I was kind of upset about that. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget we were driving home from the uh, the arena in Dayton, and I told you know I. Don and I, we were just kind of shooting the breeze back and forth. And I was like, this is wrong. You know, this is just not right. We put in years uh, with this and, and uh, we were both a little bit exercised. But Don said, well, you know, Brian, it's going to be interesting to see the door that God opens for us this time next year. And so I, I, I never forgot that. Well, I was just visit, visiting one of my friends in, uh, in Columbus one day. And he said, hey, by the way, you know, there's this guy attends our church. Um, he, he works for the Blue Jackets. You should hook up with them. And so he did. He, he had uh, a lunch for both of us to meet. And, um, you know, I told the guy our story. And his name was Scotty Harris. He was in charge of scouting for the Blue Jackets. And he was a believer, a strong believer. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, you would think for a world-class organization, we would at least have a chaplain. And I just kind of chuckled, and I was, I said, yeah, you, you'd kind of think so, wouldn't you? And so he says, you know, we just hired a new, a new assistant coach, and I understand he's a, he's a believer. And uh, so he said, I, you know, I'm going to reach out to him. Well, <clears throat> um, long story short, before he ever reached out to him, I got a call at home from a number I didn't recognize, and I answered the phone. And, uh, and the guy said, uh, this is uh, Chris McElhaney. And I said, oh, okay, uh, who, <laughs> who are you? Uh, I, I think I said, should I know you? He said, well, I'm the goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I hear that you do chaplaincy work. I was like, well, you know, how did you hear that? So anyway, it was just through a story of events. Uh, this Scotty Harris, who was just uh, – who, who is just a, um, he's just a doer. He's, he's, he's a faithful believer. He passed my name along and that was the start of it. Um, and getting me into the organization and then having, you know, I had to talk to the assistant coach, then the head coach, then the general manager, then the owner. And then here we, here we go. So you've been doing it for a while. What have you seen? How have you seen the Lord work with the players? And then talk about, um, you had a special event about two years ago, um, come NHL All-Star Weekend. You had a faith breakfast. Talk about uh, how the Lord uses that as well. Yeah, so first of all, uh, I will say that God opened doors for us like 
unlike anything else. It, it was just, it was amazing the the places that Don, Cal, and I were getting to go, the people we were running into. But we, so we had our first Bible study uh, with the players, and they were they were practicing on center ice in the arena. They came off. Uh, they they went and showered. You know, they were tired, sweaty, whatever. And right off the ice, when they walked down the tunnel, there's there's a couple rooms. They're VIP rooms, and they have leather couches and stuff. It's really nice. It's it's more for the players' families. If if they want to bring their kids, they can watch them on TV during the game, or whatever. Well, that's where we had our Bible study. So they all came in there. There was about maybe ten or twelve of them that came in, which is just unheard of for the NHL to have have that many guys. <clears throat> and uh, and so. Just, this is just a great story. I said, hey, <clears throat> how many of you are going to heaven when you die? Let me, you know, raise your hand. I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was just flying off the cuff. And they all raised their hand. Well, sitting right next to me was the gentleman that originally called to ask if I would be the chaplain. So I thought for sure, I, let's start with him. So I turned to him and I said, so let's start with you. And he said, I expected him to say, you know, well, I gave my life to Christ. You know, I just really, whatever. <clears throat> he says, well, my wife keeps nagging me to do something spiritual. So I thought maybe I should be here. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and he had, he had no, at that time, he had no relationship with, with Jesus. And, and so we kept walking our way around, around the room. And it was like, well, you know, I grew up going to this certain school or that certain church, uh, whatever. <clears throat> um, actually, the fighter on the team, the the enforcer, his name is Bold, B-O-L-L, and you didn't mess with him. He's the only one that said, well, you know, I grew up going to a Christian school, you know, I'm a Christian, and that was about all he said. The very last guy. His name was Nick Foligno. I'd never met him before. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of their names. I'm I'm not a hockey guy. I didn't know who they were. Nick Foligno says, "Well, he's a very last guy." He says, uh, "I haven't told any of you guys, but my daughter, who's two years old, um, she's just she's going to have her second open heart surgery tomorrow, and it's just it's I I needed to be here." And the and the guys had no idea. They didn't even know that she had one open heart surgery, and they can't. You, in the hockey world, I mean, they're they're tough on each other. They really they're, are. They're tight. But though. They're really tight, tight aren't yeah, they? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a band of brothers. But they came down on him hard. I mean, hard. And uh, about how could he not uh, let them know so that they could walk through this time with them? And he and his answer was, "Well, I, I didn't want you to think I was weak." Man, they came down on him hard with love. And, um, and so Nick, we, well, we, we started having the Bible studies every week. The guy, most of the guys kept coming one week. There was only two guys that showed up, Nick Foligno and Boone Jenner. And I was disappointed because, you know, the 10, 12 guys weren't able to make it. And so I said, well, why don't we just put it off? You know, this, this week, we'll just go ahead and meet next week when the rest of the guys and Nick was like, no, hey, you're here, we're here, let's have the Bible study. So we were going through the book of John, and I had shared, I had shared the gospel 
again and again because it comes up again and again in the early chapters of John. And all of a sudden, Nick, he says, stop. And I said, oh, you know, thinking, oh, okay, I said something again. You know, here I go. He says, I get it. I get it. He's like, why didn't you say it that way before? <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, I think I did. But it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just opened his eyes. And he was like, I get what do I do? What do I need to do? And he dropped to his knees right there. He got off the couch and he was on his knees and tears were rolling down his eyes. And he's like, what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. And so I went to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says, listen, if you believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, and com confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It says, you will be saved. I said, Nick, are you, do you understand that you're a sinner? He's like, I do, I do. I said, are you ready to confess that Jesus is Lord of your life? He's like, I, I'm ready. And then he turns to Boone Jenner, who's sitting right next to him. He's like, how about a Boone? Are you ready? <laughs> and Boone's like, yeah, yeah. So he drops on his knees, and it was just a sweet, sweet thing. And so it was right after that. Uh, so so Boone, Boone made a profession of faith. It was right after that that he was named um, uh, captain of the team, and, and he had a phenomenal – phenomenal season that year and then the the all-star game was coming to town and he was named the captain of the all-star game and uh and god just uh really used that moment to open i'm telling you that the, the the doors of opportunity that god used for with, with that moment and with nick who like it's not cool in general it's not cool to be a christian still in the sport of hockey and and uh uh, there, there's another guy, Lori Boschman. When uh, this is going back years now, but when he when he gave his life to Christ, he was playing for the New York, what is it, Rangers, and they thought that he had joined a cult. And they called his parents. They got counseling for him, and ended up uh, they traded him to Los Angeles, where he ended up winning a stand you know, at least one Stanley Cup. But I'm, but Nick's just like, hey, here I am. It's who I am. You know, if you want to know more about it, come on and talk to me. And so that's one story uh, from from the Blue Jackets, but God really used it. It's fabulous. And and I, I met Lori through the All-Star Breakfast, and uh, what a sweet, gentle man he is. Actually, actually I, find oh, yeah. the, I find hockey players, pro hockey players, to be more like that than the rough and tough, that image that they portray on the, on the ice. Oh, w w without a doubt. When we have them over to our house, I mean, it's it's they, they don't refer to Mandy as Mandy. It's it's Mrs. Hanson. You know, they'll pull the chair out for slide it in. Uh, you, you know, the difference between an NHL player and an NFL player is, you know, like uh, in the training room when they're getting their ankles wrapped or whatever. A An NFL player will tell the trainer, hey, thank you very much. Have a great day. An NHL player will say, hey, thank you very much. He'll give him a handshake with a $100 bill in his hand. That's just the culture of the NHL. I mean, it's just uh, th they're wonderful people. But don't be around them about 10 minutes before they're on the ice and give them about 15 minutes to cool down after they're on the ice, and you'll be just fine. We're running out of time, but I want to I touch on the third chaplaincy kind of role that you play, and that's with the ICC. How did that come to be, and how does that work for you and the – people you work with yeah so the uh the founder of the icc international center for creativity 
both of them, Jim Stevenson and Tom Balliette, they were both members of our church when I was in uh, Columbus. And uh, when they decided to, uh, to give it a go and start this, they, um, uh, after, after a couple of years, they had somebody else who was the chaplain um, be, be, uh, who, who ended up having to leave. And so they invited me. I think I've been there maybe eight years now. And uh, so the students, they do their first two years at Cedarville University on main campus, and then they have the opportunity to go to the ICC, which is over in Columbus, and it's uh, industrial art and design. And, um, and so they live in Columbus. They go to school in Columbus. And every they, they have chapel. Um, uh, they, they start classes out every day with, a, uh, with chapel. But then once a week, we have what we call big chapel. And so I go over there and um, every Thursday afternoon and uh, have a chapel for them. I have different speakers come in uh, also who uh, will speak, whether it's Dr. White or, or a number just to uh, keep people walking through the door to keep them associated to main campus university uh, to, to speak into their lives. So it's, it's, it's been a great honor to, to do that. If, if you're not familiar with it, you've got to look it up. It is a, it is a unique program unlike any other really in the United States. And um, it's, a, it's a great honor for me to be able to go over there and, and uh, work with those students. I have time for maybe two more questions. I want to, I want to wrap up the, your role with the um, Ohio Senators and legislators, the hockey players, and the ICC. So is there any difference that you see in what you do with, with these ministries, whether it's a pro hockey player, a legislator, or a college student? Uh, so that's a, that's a tough question, actually. The, the, the reality is I, I would tell you there's not that much difference um, where – they they all think that they have a relationship with God for one reason or another, and each of them um, have their have their own reasons why they think that they are are going to heaven um, when they when they die. Typically, that has to do with I'm more of a good person than a bad person, or whatever, or the church that I attended. But but as far as working with them, the only difference is one I get to wear t-shirt t-shirts or hoodies and the other I wear a, a suit and tie. So, but, but the legislators, I, I will say this about legislators. Uh, most of them, not all of them, but most of them are very inquisitive. They, they are learners. They want to learn. And so um, I, I always write out my Bible studies. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a book down in front of them that I want them to read. They will read it. Like they will, they, they want to learn. So in that way, that's probably the biggest difference where they'll make the time uh, to soak something up, whereas the athletes, they have to make the time. And, uh, yeah. Well, I've said this uh, in different segments today that given our uh, audience the opportunity to pray for different aspects, and I, I want to encourage those podcast listeners to pray for Brian as he uh, interacts with our legislators, with the uh, Blue Jackets, with students at Cedarville University. Uh, you're doing a, a vital ministry there and making a huge difference, and I want to bathe that up in prayer. So thanks for doing that. Uh, my last question on the podcast today is, what's the Lord teaching you right now in, in the year? Well, I, I, think, um, I think faithfulness is a word that is Mandy, my wife, and I have been, uh, been using a lot. Uh, not unlike anybody else, it's been 
it's been a challenging year, not just for ministry. We've had some things in our personal lives that have just really been challenging to us. And um, uh, I've always just tried to be faithful to God. There's nothing spectacular about me. But I, I, I hope that when God in his economy, I hope that when I stand before the Lord on that day, that judgment day, um, I hope that he'll look at me and say, Brian, you don't bring much to the table, but you've sure been faithful. And so I, I, I would say that the Lord has been challenging me, my wife personally, and, um, and just learning to walk faithfully, even when, even when times are tough. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. I encourage you to stay the course. 2020 has been a difficult year. We're, in, we're into 2021 right now. Who knows what's going to take place, but we, we, uh, we know we can trust God. He is faithful. Thank you for joining me today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.